Good morning again. You know, uh, I wonder sometimes, have you ever been tired? (laughs) I think most of us know that. It's a pretty well-known phenomenon, is it not, for most people? We have some exceptions I can hear. You're here, right? I'm speaking to you. Uh, I think, you know, we get tired for all kinds of reasons, right? You can be tired uh, because you have worked hard. You can be tired because you have slept too little. You can be tired before because you have overextended uh, yourself. You can be tired because you're just bothered by something all the time. You can be tired because you lack a challenge. You can be tired because your purpose of life has kind of been blurred. You can be tired because the daily humdrum is just too monotonous. You can be tired because your resources have just been exhausted. You can be tired because there's opposition you feel like toward all you do. You're tired because you don't have enough kind of uh, praise for, for all the hard work you're doing. We can get tired for all kinds of reasons. And that's true for individuals. It's also true for communities. And when that happens, creativity disappears, spirit gets tired, And the real question is, where can we find the kind of rest that can renew and refresh and deliver us from that kind of tiredness? You know, life together is the overarching theme for what's going on uh, in this church at this moment. And we have looked at that from so many different angles. We're going to look at it from a little different angle also today. You know, life together has to do with finding community that aims to refresh that which has grown tired, that aims to renew the weary. That when we get together, there's a, and a level of, of a presence of God's spirit, of a renewal of energy, of a liberation from the tiredness that could otherwise fill the everyday. So, let me just say that again. When we talk about being tired in the true sense of that word, we're not talking about the healthy tiredness that comes from our hard days of work. There is liberation for that, refreshment from that, and that's called a good night's sleep. That we relax a bit and just find our, our kind of strength again. But there is a different kind of tiredness that is unrelated whatsoever to any kind of physical exhaustion. It has its origin in the reality that life, for some reason or another, just to become heavy. It's like burdensome. Life itself has become like like this heavy cloud hanging over us all the time. And no matter how much we sleep, no matter how much we relax, no matter how much we rest, it makes no difference. And friends, we live in a generation where that's not the exception anymore. That has become 
somewhat common. It's like they're the thraldom on everything in so many ways. In a time that is full of stress, full of confusion, full of weariness, full of mental illness that spreads almost like an academic epitome that you don't know who it hits. And so the question is, is there a place to go to find a remedy? Is there a place where there's this refreshing new rest that takes care even of that? Can I ask you again, are you tired this morning? Or maybe even are you tired in this time, this week, this month, this year, these last three years, these five years? How does that look? It can be hard at times, can it not, to find the kind of excitement, the kind of energy for life. When you look at your opportunity, you look at your existence, so to speak, where do I find that? Well, is that way you, how you experience today or every day, you are not alone. As you probably know, this is a real question. What do we do when our own resources no longer are sufficient to make life Come to life, so to speak. Can I say it that way? If you remember a time when you felt like life had more colors than it does now, I want you to listen to what God is offering you here. This is an offer, if you will, from the living Savior about a refreshment to your life, about finding Life, finding rest in Christ. So can we read from chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke? You're not sure how to find that. That's, that's perfectly fine. You know, you find Matthew, kind of the first book of the New Testament. Number three of those is the Gospel of Luke. On a Sabbath, it begins in chapter 6. Jesus passed through the grain fields, and his disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat. He even gave some to those who are with him. Then he told him, Jesus did, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Then on another Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and he was teaching a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. And the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he could heal on the Sabbath so that they could find a charge against him. 
But he knew their thoughts and he told the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand here. And he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? After looking around at them all, he told him, he told him, stretch out your hand. And he did. And his hand was restored. They, however, talking about the Pharisees, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do with Jesus. Friends, we're in the most exciting kind of section of the gospel of Luke right here last Sunday. And if you're not able to, to be here to hear that, I, I encourage you to go to the website and find it. We talked about what does it mean to be called by Jesus. And that was kind of the, the bridge, if you will. And we are now entering uh, chapter 6, which kind of contains what in the, the Gospel of Matthew is called uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It, it has a different setting here, and, 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 and it's put together slightly different. Jesus likely was talking about these things in many different settings. But here it is. What is it that should characterize those who call themselves by his name? What should characterize those who have heard that call and become a follower of Jesus? I'm sure that many of you have probably read this text that we just read many times, or you may have even studied in Bible study groups and, and, and other places, and, and, and you've done so like I have done so, Numerous times without really noticing how central this very passage is, not just for the gospel of Luke, but for all of the Christian life, indeed for our, our understanding of worship itself. It is not without reason that it is exactly the, the issue of the Sabbath that created that contention between Jesus and the Pharisees. Far beyond just merely being uh, a day that God since creation designated as a day of rest, the Sabbath was at the very heart of the people's relationship to God and, for that matter, of God's relationship to them. The Sabbath was the physical visualization or the physical manifestation, if you will, of God's presence among his people. It was on the Sabbath that God was worshipped. It was on the Sabbath that, that songs of praise were reverberating from the synagogues throughout Israel, through the hills of Judea and Galilee and the plains, all over the place. It was on the Sabbath that the Holy Scrolls were opened up and God's word was read. It was on the Sabbath that God spoke to his people through his word. It was on the Sabbath that, that you could find the necessary rest. It was on the Sabbath that you found time to spend a whole day just focusing on who God is and what his purpose is 
for your life. It was on the Sabbath. There's a necessity that we can't miss here. It was God himself that built this into the very structure of creation itself. So when you come to worship God, you are participating in the rhythm of God, so to speak. This daily, weekly rhythm of God. So get to become a part or to get to be a participant of the true Sabbath is to be able to experience this refreshing rest that makes it where you can say, I feel that the clouds are lifting. I sense that that kind of bombarding bondage is moving out. Tiring thraldom. Can I use that word thraldom? It's an old word. It means bondage. So, friends, are we hearing this? This text came alive in a way that speaks maybe more strongly to our particular time with all that's going on, our particular kind of period of, of, of the ages, if you will. If anything was ever timely, these are the words of the Lord. When Jesus says that I am the Lord of the Sabbath, that's the same as him saying, I have the the authority to refresh your tiredness. Not only physical tiredness, whatever that may be, but your mental tiredness, your social tiredness. Your spiritual tiredness. That the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, which is inaugurated by God himself, simply means that he has the power to grant what only God can grant. The rest that belongs to God. So what is it? We have to be somewhat concrete with this. What does that mean? Just to kind of throw up castles really does not help us much here. Well, the first thing you see, you can't help it, is to see there's a very obvious effect, right? Hunger is satisfied and, and, and the paralyzed are now giving new life power. It's being healed. That is to say that, that this has real life effect. It's not just theory. It's not just talk. It's not just kind of castles in the air that you kind of create. You know, we, the Pharisees enjoyed that kind of theoretical discussion like so many does today. Where we get lost in discussions that have no bearing other than it's fun to talk about what do I feel is right? What do I feel is wrong? What do I think here? What is that theory? What if we did this? What if we did that? Jesus cuts Straight through that, his interest is how am I able to touch people's lives? How are people put in connection with the living God to find the kind of freedom, the kind of peace where their actual needs are being satisfied? 
Friends, this is so foundational. These are such foundational building blocks that so many miss that. Because it's, it's not what we normally kind of recognize. Building blocks that are common that need to be replaced by these that come from God. You know, the word Sabbath means to rest. And God's word speaks about three different kinds of Sabbath, if you will. The first we might just call, you know, creation Sabbath. The kind of rest that God made part of the creative order, even from the beginning. Every seventh day, you need to find time to rest, to reflect, time for special deepening of your thoughts about who God is and what his purpose is for your life. Rest is necessary. It's a physical necessity. Obviously, we understand that, that we need to rest today so that we have strength for the struggles and the difficulties of the other six days. Friends, in the biblical way of thinking, there's a direct tie and direct kind of a principal link between the tithing that you bring to the house of God and then the Sabbath. You know, God gave you every minute that you have on this earth. Every second is a gift from him. And he asked that you show him that you recognize your dependence upon him by giving back to him a seventh. That this belongs to him and these to be the time when I connect in, in the deepest way with the Almighty. And it can't be a flipping two seconds every so often. That's there. And then the same thing with our procession and with our money. He said, I, he has given us every single dime, every little brick in our house, everything that we own comes from him. And he says, it's for you to manage. But I'm asking that you recognize your dependence upon me by bringing your tithe. There's a principal connection between these things. And so this creation, Sabbath, if you will, sits it as part of human life created order. It's not a side. It's not, oh, I choose to do this so much as it's a necessity. But the Christian Sabbath goes far beyond that just counting that one day. The Christian Sabbath is the true experience of rest that Jesus promises to everyone who would put their life in his hand. And that's what the text is about. It's also what you see uh, when you go to, to uh, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, or the sermon to the Hebrews, if you will. Speaks a lot about rest. Here's what he says, for example, chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise to enter God's rest remains, let us beware that none of us be found to have fallen short 
For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that none will fall into a pattern of disobedience. That is of not listening to what he is saying. Also what Jesus talks about when he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It's also what he talks about just a few chapters later when he is visiting a house where you have two sisters working and they work very hard. And especially Martha is is just busy with all kinds of things and it's a little kind of tit. By her sister Mary who is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And listen to how Jesus responds. He he says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Lots of things are good. One thing is necessary. And Mary has made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. So what is it? What is it? What does it mean to step into this rest of God? Well, the prophet Isaiah gives us a good hint. When he gets to chapter 66 here, we say heaven is speaking Letting God speak through him, right? And, and God says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where could you possibly build a house for me? Where could you possibly find a resting place for me? My hands has made everything. This is to say that God's rest is not to be found in any particular place. On the earth. But it is experienced when people and people's hearts are open and they come together and they open their hearts and he comes to dwell in them. That's the place for God's rest. Are we hearing this? That's exactly. Paul says it the same way. He said, don't you all know that y'all are the temple? Of the living God. As you gather, as your hearts are open, this is where He dwells. Only in human hearts. The Hebrews, uh, again, uh, that, that famous sermon that we call the book of Hebrews, it's quite clear. It says, you know, Joshua couldn't give you rest. All he could do was to point to the Sabbath and teach them how to keep the Sabbath. God's rest reaches far beyond that kind of just regulation. But notice here, friends, even in the description of the creation, what does it say? It says, God blessed the seventh day and he called it holy Because on that day, he rested. Blessing and rest goes together. And it comes 
when his people gather to open their hearts to him, say, come dwell in us and in our midst. Just listen to this. It's when he's placed on his throne, when the king is sitting there. And friends, that can happen in your heart. I know this is for some, maybe many of us, and I know there probably be quite a few even that are listening in or watching. This is a word from God to you. You know, the book of Revelation talks about the throne of God. And as it describes that throne of God, it is placing him right in front of a lake. And that lake, it says, is like a glassy sea. Have you ever seen a glassy sea? That means that water is in complete rest. Calm down fully. That's what, what that is. It is exactly what happens if you read the text carefully when Jesus is in the boat and the, the waters and the storms are, and he get up in the boat and he's, he just rebukes the storm and the waves. And what does it say? And it became what? Completely still. I wonder if you have experienced that. In your life. This is real friends. The promise is that you can. It happened. And it happens. All the time. And you wonder why is this so important. Why do we deal with this. It's important because it touches. Everything at all. In your life. When we talk about rest, we're not just talking about peace and quiet like you can find if you have a quiet room someplace. Peace and quiet and a good night's sleep is just friend's benefit of having inner rest. Inner rest relates to everything in life. Just everything is tied up with that. That's why it's, it's so important. Your health, whether it's physical or mental or social, spiritual, you sleep better when you have inner rest. It's about your trust in God, about your trust also in yourself and in your, your fellow human beings. It's about peace with God. Peace in your inner being. Peace among those around you. You know, the opposite. Lack of peace or distrust. Inferiority complexes. Whatever fits in that drawer. Has its root in the fact that you have not found rest. Peace. But here's what it is. You can find that in Christ. He trusts you. He loves you. Now, regardless of who you are, He loves you. 
He's the one who said, come to me. Every one of you who are tired. And I will give you rest. Your inner being can be like this glassy sea on a beautiful summer day. I wonder if that's not what you want. Is it not? Do we know someone who does not want that? Really? Think about it for just a second. Again, that book of Hebrews speaks so plainly it almost hurts. When it has God say, those who do not know my ways shall not enter my rest. So I'm encouraging you, friends, to listen to our Lord Jesus Christ. When he himself says, learn from me and you shall find rest. For your souls. Those were the first two things. I'm going to be very brief on the last. We're kind of not highlighting that as much as as we used to in many ways. But the third and the last thing that is being taught about the Sabbath. And the Sabbath rest is the eternal one. I can't not mention that. Far beyond just the kind of superficial relaxation type rest. Even more than the one we had just talked about. That deep, refreshing, weariness removing kind of rest you find when your life is surrendered to Christ. There comes a time when this will not be here only a little bit or somewhat. You know, we live in this time when it's already but not fully. It's already here. The right thing is here. The full thing is here, except not fully. The time will come and Jesus says, I'm going to go away to make a place for you. And when I come back, I'm going to take you with me because where I am, you shall be always. Now, we we don't talk as much about that time more as we used to do, but it doesn't take much. Ten seconds in any kind of hymnal that's just a few years old, and you'll talk, you'll find songs about the peaceful shore. Yes? One of you knows that. That's just the reality. That we experience the full thing, but not in full. The real thing, but not in full. Interrupted. But it's real when it is. The Pharisees got so disturbed by this that they said, what are we going to do about Jesus? I'm going to ask you the same thing. What in the world are you going to do about Jesus? This is your chance, friends. If you need this new, refreshing rest, this is God's offer for you. It can happen right here, right now. It happens when people allow their lives to be saturated by God's presence. And you will find that tiring thraldom, if you will, 
or that binding burden is lifted and a refreshing rest will come and take over. I should stop now, but there's an illustration that I just thought about. It's a picture I saw a long time ago. It's a lighthouse. And it is storming, and it's crazy, and the weather is just tearing everything about down. The boats are being, th- you know, thrust against the, the, the sides, I mean, uh, back against the shore. And this guy walks up, and he looks in through the window in that lighthouse. And inside that window, there are two little children sitting in front of a light, in front of a light uh, fireplace, playing as if nothing is going on outside. That picture will steal your soul when you think about it. It's God's peace. Storm may be raging. Everything may be but inside. There's peace. Can we stand, friends? This is a worship service that means we come to worship God. We do that through songs. We do that through prayer. We do that also by coming here, kneeling and asking God to give that kind of peace. I ask that you give a response. Some of you may need to say, hey, I need to find that fellowship where God dwells in the midst. This is it, friends. First Baptist Louisville will be more than joyful to welcome you in to walk with us as we walk with God. Some of you may need to give your life to Christ and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know, even know what you're talking about. This is a good moment for that. However God speaks to your friend, don't take it lightly. It's your life. And you know what's going on. And you heard the words. Lord, bless us. Pour out your peace. Pour out your rest. Pour out your spirit upon us. Give us the boldness to act like we know deep down you're calling us to do. In your name we pray. Amen.